Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to another episode of the Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn-Awardner, and I'm delighted, so delighted to say that my guest on this week's episode is the fabulous Ian Marber. Goodness me, what this man doesn't know about nutrition just isn't worth knowing. And it's a topic that I've wanted to really pick a way out to get some expert guests to come on and talk about for a long time now. But it's also a subject I find very confusing and you may feel the same listener. I feel that there are a lot of people out there talking about what we should and shouldn't be eating. There are um, nutrition fads as much as there are fashion fads. And I have felt definitely over the last few years that there's a lot of misinformation out there and that actually it's getting really overcomplicated. It's a little bit like all these exercise regimes um, that are trying to, you know, let's do, let's compress our training time into 12 minutes by doing high intensity instead of doing long, long cardio. Do I mean long cardio? I don't mean long cardio. You know what I mean? Like endurance cardio. They're different, but elicit the same results, kind of. Do you know what I mean? What I'm trying to say is it just gets a bit overcomplicated and it's almost as if you have to choose a school of thought or a nutritionist or somebody that you follow and then you just have to stick to that. And there's also a sort of almost elitist um, vibe coming through the whole nutrition industry, things that I'm hearing and reading. And so I wanted to get Ian on because honestly... And you will get this in the show. He does not, and <laughs> I'm going to say sugarcoat, and you'll know when you get to about 50 minutes why that's funny. I don't. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He's just, these are the facts. There's nothing new in nutrition. This works, this works, this works, and this works. Obviously, that's good sense. Obviously, that's poor sense. So while it's wonderful that we are now more mindful than we were 30 years ago about what we're eating and the fact that what we're eating can have an impact on how we feel both mentally and physically, and emotionally at times, it has, for me, definitely got overcomplicated. So I'm delighted to have uh, Ian on to talk about all of this and kind of cut through a lot of the noise and just tell you what the facts are based on someone who, just to be very clear, is incredibly qualified in this field. You will not find him putting up beautiful airbrushed pictures of you know muesli and cut fruit and his lunch because that's not the kind of nutritionist he is he is the guy who has done all the work 
and he kind of is that port in a storm when there's a lot of noise just like see what Ian Marva says about it I wrote something about sleep on my Instagram feed recently and about how magnesium was something that Ian had advised me to use a couple of years ago on Twitter and again his advice is really simple yes this works and these are the reasons boom this is the dose you should be taking. This is when you should be taking it. These are the things that you might want to know before you start taking it, just in case it might conflict with some other stuff that you're doing. It's that simple. And there's also something that Ian does, which is just brilliant, called Nutribollocks. Please go and follow him on Twitter. I think it goes without saying that all of his social media handles and obviously his website and where you can find him will be in the show notes. But Nutribollocks is a poll that Ian does on Twitter. I believe it's every Friday. And it is flagging up and he explains it in the show, but flagging up um, another ridiculous claim that has been attached to food in order to make you think that by eating it, you are going to be better or, I don't know, healthier for having done so. I think the week that we recorded this, it was a croissant that had all the joy taken out of it and in the picture that somebody had tagged him in, because people do tend to now take pictures of things and send them to Ian and then Ian considers them from the poll. So feel free to fill your boots on that one. This croissant did not look edible. It looked like the kind of thing that you would pick up in a plastic bag and put into a special bin in a park. So he cuts through all of that nonsense and he just made it very simple in this episode of the podcast. So I hope that you enjoy it. I went round to his house. You'll hear that he offers me lunch. We talk about all sorts of intermittent fasting. We talk about his career and the qualifications that mean that he can talk about these things with such authority. We talk about kind of the insta generation of nutritionists and what that must be like. I can't imagine what it must be like for him who knows his stuff to see people spouting off about things that maybe they don't know about in as much detail. Uh, we talk about a lot of stuff and also just we keep coming back to the same thing. When I say to him, what are the things that people should be doing in terms of what they're eating? And it always comes back to the same thing throughout the show. And there is a portion of this podcast that is was answering all of the listener questions. So on the train on the way to go and see Ian, I put on the private Facebook group um, questions, just a question saying, hi, I'm on my way to go and see a nutritionist. I know it's short notice, but do you, do you have any questions? My Facebook went absolutely bonkers. So in the second episode that will be published next week, all of those are addressed. If you want to join that group, it's really simple. The link is in the show notes. It is a closed group, so you won't be able to join immediately. But I go through once a day and I approve everybody. And then you can post, say hello, ask questions. And I do put a lot of sneak peeks about which guests are coming up so that I can get questions from the group to then pose during future episodes of the podcast. So there you go. I'm not going to wang on any longer. I think it's just time to get to Ian. And um, I really hope that you enjoy this episode. If you have any questions, slip into my DMs on social media where I'm at Emma Guns. Send me an email at thebeautypodcast.gmail.com and I will be putting Ian's de details. So if you do want to get in touch with him directly, you will be able to do that via the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode of The Emma Guns Show featuring Ian Marber. I am joined in this episode by... Ian Marber, nutritional therapist, health journalist, and author, and demigod, <laughs> which he doesn't put on his business card, but you should, shouldn't you? <laughs> well, no. I, then, obviously, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you have, I haven't been prompted, listeners. No, no, no. I, I said that by my own free will. I'm excited to have this conversation with you because 
as much as I may be a journalist who's written about health and beauty for many years, I still find it a very confusing landscape. And the thing I find most confusing and the thing that I had a bit of a personal crisis about a couple of years ago was when I was writing for a health magazine and one month I would write about one particular diet or form of exercise and the next month I would write about the thing that almost entirely and perfectly contradicted it. Yeah, I mean, that's quite normal. I have a... Um I write for various magazines, and in one magazine, um, I might write a piece about why um, a popular diet should be avoided. Not you know because I fancy it, because mm. actually it's, it has detrimental effects, or uh, it, the language that it uses is unpleasant or, or um, unhelpful. Mm. And elsewhere in the magazine, there will actually be a two-page puff piece with the <laughs> you know the lovely young lady with a you know straight hair who who's put the diet together. Right. So, you know, which is even more confusing. <laughs> yeah. But, sorry, don't you think the magazines, though, are there uh, a, a shop window or a window into lots of different opinions? I mean, there's no reason that the magazine should have an opinion of their own. That's correct, but I agree with that, because otherwise what would you fill a magazine with every month or every week or every day? Well, ask Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I also feel that we're all just trying to live good, sensible lives yeah. and make good choices. And to be bombarded with so much information can make making those clear choices difficult. Well, I think there's, there's two things there. The first thing is that, um, as we know, that all magazines and newspapers have to have copy. Mm-hmm. And now, obviously, online as well. So they have to get copy. Everyone wants it to be unique or at least semi-unique, sort mm. of special to them. Um, and um, most of the information we get about food and diets comes from the people that sell us the food and the diet. Mm-hmm. So, um, And many magazines... Uh, rather many readers are not necessarily adept and why should they be at working out what's a press release that's mm-hmm. been slightly altered and edited yeah. and what's a, a proper journalistic investigation into a plan, a diet, mm-hmm. a food, a brand. Yeah. And I also think uh, a lot of these magazines will have before and afters or they'll have... Um, uh, many of my friends work on health magazines and it's just a rite of passage that during your time at a health magazine you will do a diet and do a photo shoot yeah. and you will get into the best shape of your life and none of those people have maintained it. But also I would love to see a before and after where the after had not been to have a you know expensive bob at Nicky Clark's <laughs> and wasn't completely made up or tanned or wearing fabulous clothes or no clothes. Um, yeah, I remember my friend did it years ago and he um, got super lean but like super muscly and... Um, I said, I said, I feel a bit weird looking at these pictures of you because you look fit. Yeah. And he said, yeah, but the day before I had to go and have a fake tan. And then on the morning of the shoot, I wasn't allowed to eat anything or drink any water. I think maybe for 24 hours he wasn't yeah. allowed to eat or drink. And then just before he shot the pictures, they made him eat three dry Weetabix. It's a, well, and the, is thing is, the thing is, though, that um, a lot of uh, well, young men in this case will look at that and believe that's entirely achievable. Mm. And um, if it's not, it's because they're doing something wrong. Yeah. If you look at if you look at a lot of the um, fitness men on Instagram, um, the and there's one I can think of who uh, if he puts a picture of him with his shirt off, he'll get three or four thousand likes. Mm-hmm. If it's with him with his shirt on, you know, holding. Uh, I know, pencil case. I say <laughs> that because there's a pencil case there. <laughs> then um, he'll get two or three hundred likes. Yeah. So it's basically it's saying, I like your body. Mm. But of course, if you're uh, the recipient of those likes, can't tell the difference sometimes. It doesn't know why. They just, you know, perhaps they like it. 
Well, in this episode, we are going to, in this conversation, we are going to try and debunk a lot of stuff. But I think the thing that I want to, I'm, I'm going to tether myself to you now with hope, with a rope of hope of, is it possible to just cut through all the BS? And is there actually, is it actually really simple to nourish yourself, to feed yourself and be well? Um, the answer is yes, it is. Mm -hmm. It is simple. Um, it's... Uh, that doesn't mean that if somebody doesn't do it, they're making a mistake, because the, the thing about the diet industry, and that includes wellness, not just weight loss, mm -hmm. is that if, uh, if a plan or regime or a, a choice you make goes well, then it's because that product, that brand, that uh, plan you decided to do was good. Mm -hmm. If you choose not to do it, it's because you're bad. Right. And right in there is an absolute key uh, function, if you like, of the diet industry, which is that you are flawed. Right. And you could be better. Um, and yeah. of course, then there's acceptance, which is very important. So a lot of the people in the health and wellness world talk about, you know, peace and meditation and... Uh, mindfulness. You know, mindfulness and how blessed they are. Mm -hmm. Yet they don't treat their readers, their customers, uh, their followers with the same respect. I know mm -hmm. I'm being horrible here but they don't you know if by telling them to do something aren't you telling them that they're wrong mm. um you know or or, or uh, saying well i always do this mm. which again is saying that's because i'm better um and that you know inevitably that will happen with health and wellness but um and you know, there's a lot of fragile egos in this business mm. um and unfortunately um you know some of them are very vociferous mm. and um I think the language that they use can be quite damaging. And it's very intoxicating. You talk about Instagram now. I have unfollowed a lot of health wellness people because it doesn't make me feel particularly good. No. Um, and I had Jules Von Hepp on the show a little while ago and he said your Instagram feed should be all about curating something that when you get up in the morning and you look at Instagram, you, you feel joy, you feel happy about what you're seeing. Yeah. Not feel like, oh, bollocks i should have done a downward dog at 6 a.m yeah um so i've unfollowed but it is incredibly intoxicating and i do feel well, there's so much here but i do feel like people will follow a particular nutritional plan or a nutritional person and i use nutritional person in the right context yeah. here i think because um you said something recently about the industry becoming infantilized and somewhat puerile yes and i, I very much believe that where do you think that began? Why do you think it took that turn? Um, I suppose my instant response to that is is Instagram and social media. Um, you know, we're, you know, I'm a 54 year old adult. I'm not going to describe something as yummy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's children's language. It's not, you know, uh, uh, and these silly phrases like, you know, keep you going, powered up for the morning, mm. all these <laughs> things that they've become that. Uh, it's childish, mm. and um, you know if you if you follow a, a, a popular blogger or Instagram or whatever, and they say try my X Y or Z to keep you powered up for the morning, so you have it. Mm -hmm. Looks nothing like the picture, which is probably a portion oh. a portion that's three yeah. times the size you should eat anyway. And by eleven o'clock, you're starving. Then didn't keep you powered up. Mm. What's wrong with you, fatty? <laughs> Sorry, I don't. That's a horrible <laughs> word, but there is there is a, a an element of that. I shouldn't have said that, but there is an element of that that somehow you're wrong. And no, no, I, I totally the vibe. It, you've given the vibe a voice. You haven't yeah. called anybody a name. I completely okay. understand. But but in, it, I think it has started being the in, in the puerility mm. um, has happened because of social media. 
Um, and I think there's a desperate like of even the most professional people to be liked mm. and um, to be friendly and to be uh, accessible. Yeah. Um, and maybe the language is part of that. I think you're right. I think it's, it's, a, it's a very confusing landscape. And for me, there's a couple of things. There's a misinformation. And there's, I was having a conversation with a couple of very well-known health and beauty journalists on WhatsApp recently. And we were talking about nutritionists. Mm -hmm. And I shan't name her because I haven't got permission from her. But we were talking about this. And um, we were talking about getting advice from a particular person. And this journalist said, they're going to have to show me the receipts. And by receipts, I mean four years of further education. Right. <laughs> Not just, this is what I did for me. And, oh, I really like chard, especially when I steam it. But then there's the, um, you know, the absolute age-old PR thing, which is frustrated at not being able to find X, Y, or Z. So-and-so mm. decided to start their own. Um, and you know, I read one recently that frustrated of on, uh, about only having, you know, not being able to find decent salads in London, and so decided to start her own brand. I don't know where were you looking, love? <laughs> um, and so, you know, it, it's uh, it's an intoxicating, to use your words, intoxicating and very heady story mm. because it's entrepreneurship. Often they're women, so there's a lot of um, uh, you know, <laughs> women in business. Yeah. Um, and um, that doesn't mean that their brands have integrity. So they get promoted for uh, other reasons, which are laudable. Of course they mm. are. Um, but sometimes they're flogging stuff that they may believe in mm. but that doesn't make them right yeah you know, just because you believe in something doesn't mean that your health claims are legal so where what's your standpoint if you were to drill down into where you come from what your um the approach that you have what would be your elevator pitch um i suppose that uh, as i've been around for a long time um i've been doing this for nearly 20 years now mm. Um, that every single fad that I see, every single diet and plan I see now, I've seen before. Mm. Um, and I've saw Just it 18 years ago. Name. Sometimes not even a different name. Mm. Um, and I think also that um, I was very confused by nutrition before I studied. And in, in some ways, in, even more confused at the end of it. Right. Um, because, you know, you... you, you attend lectures about certain things and your instinct and your intellect says, mm, I'm not sure I agree with that. Mm. Um, and uh, I think I, I'm told I have a reputation of being, you know, practical and straight, as it were. Um, but, uh, and I hope that's the, I hope that's the case, but I'd, sorry, my elevator pitch would be that there's nothing new in the world of nutrition that hasn't been for an awful long time. The mm -hmm. basics stay the same. Uh, they're called different names, different mm -hmm. height, different aspects are played up by media and individuals, mm -hmm. which is absolutely fine. But uh, there is no such thing, by the way, as a bad food, only a bad diet. So, um, And what's the difference? Okay, uh, <laughs> right. This morning, um, I do something on Twitter called Nutribolics, yeah, which is a poll every Friday. Which is absolutely genius, listeners, okay, and I'll well, be putting the link to Ian's Twitter feed in the show notes. Thank you. That wasn't a, a, a promotion. But anyway, um, so people send me nominations, mm -hmm. and I keep being sent nominations for guilt-free brownies or guilt-free chocolate. The croissant that looks like a dog poo is Isn't amazing. it fabulous? Um, I like the text that says it tastes better than it looks. The fact <laughs> they even had to put that is hilarious. But again, you know, I get sent so many of these mm. that, you know, I have to filter out the ones that I think are uh, most interesting, most uh, uh, engaging, because, mm. you know, I want people to look at it and enjoy it. It is a, yeah. it is a game. Uh, it's never personal. If there's someone involved who, I, you know, their name would be obvious, I 
put a black line through it, yeah. redact it to make it sound very formal. <laughs> um, but um, uh, so things like guilt-free chocolate. Mm. Um, why should they be guilt about having chocolate? You know, mm. if you have chocolate and it for you it's a trigger food mm -hmm. and it means that if you have chocolate on a Friday afternoon, that's it, you're screwed for the weekend because you're going to eat too much because we're oh, ruined it now. If that's your mentality, if that's the way that you think, that's your habit, mm. then that's what needs to be addressed. Not this slavish following, I can't have chocolate, or then mm. I have had chocolate because it's guilt-free. So um, it's the idea that your uh, role... I was going to say fallible. It's not even fallible. It, mm. It's a... Why shouldn't you have chocolate? Well, I think that's the position that I come from. And we, before we started recording this, and we were having a bit of a chat about how my friend Hannah and I have very similar approaches to food. I think we have a very toxic relationship. So as much as I can try a diet and have success, at some point, my emotional relationship with food will kick in and undo all of that. And so how does a nutritionist tackle that? Um, you could say that a nutritionist shouldn't because that's perhaps more um, uh, of a hypnotherapist, a life coach or a psychologist mm -hmm. um, because then you need to unpick your relationship with food. I know certainly know many nutritionists who stray into that area. I'm not sure that they should. Mm -hmm. um, but how I would do it was to you know, put some basic rules there and I know rules aren't very helpful but basic phrases like no such thing as a bad diet mm -hmm. a bad food only mm -hmm. a bad diet uh, that you're fallible you're probably your human being um and that you are not wrong to start with mm -hmm. um you know if we are so fattest uh that if somebody is overweight you know if you see someone uh yeah, who's really, really overweight, really struggling, mm. you know, um, uh, to, to walk. And yeah. uh, you see them in a, in a restaurant. Um, you, you know, it's hard, given our society, to mm -hmm. look at them and think anything other than, what's their fault? They've eaten too much. They may have a thyroid problem. Mm. They may be on uh, steroids. Who knows what they're doing? Um, and there's, if we can find not sympathy, but peace and understanding for that person then we would be much more likely to do it for ourselves. Mm. You know, you're not, we're not defined by being a certain weight. We shouldn't be. That said, you know, I'm 54 and, you know, I gained a... I was travelling a lot in December, January and February for work and I gained six or seven pounds because it's more difficult when you're travelling. Mm. And I was at my upper weight of being comfortable, so I was more careful. Mm -hmm. um, and there were some times I was frustrated about being overweight for me and uncomfortable because my clothes didn't fit. And yeah. But I didn't decide I was a terrible human being. So if your mindset is this relationship with food, then that's what you need to address. No diet is going to mm. do that for you. Well, only in the short term. Well, you know, let's say you do, <coughs> excuse me, a specific diet mm -hmm. and you lose weight. Um, the question I often ask people who have dieted repeatedly is, and then what? Because uh, if you, let's say, get down to, I don't know, size 12, whatever I'm not you, but one wants to get mm. to, you know, uh, then uh, there's this idea that then we can go back to normal. But actually, a diet and sensible eating has to be maintained to maintain Completely. your weight. It, just in the same way, and it's easy to talk about finances in a funny sort of way, that if you, um, you know, you have a salary and you have X per month, then you have to budget and you mm. have to do exactly the same with your food as well. But it's hard. It's really, really hard on mm. both counts. It is really hard. And I think the emotional side of it it isn't it's exactly what you're saying if you can't stick to my diet if you can't stick to this way then there's something wrong with you but as i was telling you before i 
and the listeners know this, I was trying to do the ketogenic diet and on day one I failed because I was having a crappy day at work and I ate crunchy nut cornflakes. Okay, but failed. You see, failed. Why shouldn't you eat? Obviously, it's not in a keto diet. But, um, <laughs> Damn it! Uh, you know, keto diet, whatever it should be called, um, you know, high fat, low carb, um, you don't really start sort of burning ketones. And I, you know, I kind of want to do an air quote around that. Um, for why do you want to do an air quote around um, ketones? Because you don't, you know, you don't truly go into ketosis. Um, you what? know, there's a version of it, if you like, a mini version of keto light, if you like. But it's fine; it works. But th- the reason it works is that you eat less. If you eat fat and protein, so if you have Gruyere and um, walnuts for breakfast, mm-hmm. the combination of the fibre, the fat, and the protein convert from food to glucose extremely slowly. So mm-hmm. you have a very low appetite. So you eat less. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no magic in it. Uh, and as you are starving the body of, of glucose, you know, regular doses of glucose, then you have to burn fat. Because the way that I tried to understand it myself and the way that I talked about it in 26 Habits was the ketogenic diet is essentially changing your car from a diesel engine to yeah. an electricity Yeah, exactly. You're, you're, you're going on a different fuel tank. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, though, that if you, on that sort of diet, if you uh, have carbs let's say your crunchy nut cornflakes or your haribos whatever it might be then um the theory is that you're now you've got circulating glucose and some of it will stored as glycogen and it'll take a certain amount of time say 48 hours depending on how much you have Mm -hmm. to drain that and to start burning ketones again um i don't know how accurate that is but there's certainly some truth in it i don't know what the exact hours are um but you know i've got clients who do this and sometimes when i you know, I don't see many clients these days, not one-to-one, but if I do have a client who's been struggling with their weight, I might put them on this sort of plan because, uh, partly because I know that they'll enjoy the food. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll enjoy not being very hungry, which, of course, being hungry is their sort of danger zone for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that there's this idea that if you do slip up, you, you've, you, it'll take you 48 hours to get back on it. Mm-hmm. So they're... F- Frightened of that 48 hours. Yeah. And I, I, I don't... You have to adapt a food plan to your client's needs, and that isn't just their nutritional needs. That works, that's what works for them practically mm-hmm. and that suits their attitude and their outlook and their history as well. It's so interesting, isn't it? Um, I think it is. And I, I um, you know, perhaps being um, a little older than most people in this business now, um, I look at... Uh, some of the things that they say, you know, in print and online, etc. And I, I just sort of think, well, who's this really about? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of my industry have lost sight of the end user. Um, and, you know, certainly on Twitter, I follow some absolutely first-rate people who always understand that it's about the end user, mm-hmm. not about what another nutritionist or dietitian or registered nutritionist thinks of your tweet, mm-hmm. but about somebody at home who isn't in the industry who follows you for information. Yeah. Um, and, um, the, you know, because there's a desperate need, all of us have a need to be liked and uh, gain approval and Twitter and Instagram have, have fed into that and focused that and highlighted it to an extraordinary degree. Mm. Oh yeah. Social media is an interesting The enemy of of wellness. (laughs) The great thing about social media is that you can find everything that you want and see everything that you want in a 60 second scroll uh, scroll the worst thing about social media is that you it's can exactly see everything you want to see. <laughs> yeah. find everything you yeah. want i wasn't on instagram for a couple of years and i went back on it recently um and uh i don't follow many people mm. but i do 
find that the same 100, 200 people look at my stories and my um, posts. And I kind of think there's a little part of me that says, what's the point? But then um, Twitter, because words are my thing more mm. than images, is I just love Twitter. I really enjoy it. I used to really enjoy getting a pithy uh, tweet <laughs> into 140 characters or less. Now they've ruined it with 280. <laughs> But you can still do 140. I know, I know. I, th- I, you can tell that you really enjoy Twitter. You can tell. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And Neutral Bollocks is just genius. It's absolutely genius. Good. Good thank um, you. So there's lots of scaremongering. I feel. Yes. Some and uh, in the press, or out there in the world on the internet, etc. About things that you've been. What they seem to be packaged as is things that you've been doing, thinking that you're doing the right thing in terms of food and wellness and health. And oops, new studies found that actually it's probably going to kill you early. Yes. Um, And I've written on my notes, is my diet going to give me cancer? Because (laughs) I have definitely read features that... Eating more X will prevent, you know, X, Y... I mean, if you look at prostate cancer, if if men have uh, five servings of carotenoids a week, then they have an X percent Mm. uh, reduction in the risk of uh, prostate cancer. Um, well, th- th- let's start. Uh, one thing I, sh- I want to start with is that uh, the language around illness, mm-hmm. uh, especially cancer. Um, you're a victim, cancer victim, mm-hmm. and also it's your battle with cancer, which implies that if you don't win, if you don't, yeah. that you yourself are at fault. Um, and that plays right into victim, and that's a sort of very much a tabloid press use of language, which is not is not helpful and the same goes for is your diet going to give you cancer the answer is that uh, your diet can certainly go some length at uh, reducing the risk of certain types of cancer um, if you are if you have cancer then diet won't do an awful lot um, and that's the sad fact I mean certainly there's no harm in in going on a you know juice plan etc cetera, etc cetera, but only very short term but um, uh, it's the use of language around that sort of thing. Is my diet going to give me cancer? And the mm. answer is that um, we all take risks we're unaware of. Mm. Every time we cross a road, get in a car, get on a plane. Um, yeah. And uh, if you happen to be one of the, you know, one in three who will get cancer, um, I'm sure people will have regrets and wonder if I've done it another way. But you know, it's not any way to live your life. I mean, mm. if you're smoking and... Um, uh, you know, you're not using SPF and uh, you spend inordinate amounts of time in the sun and um, you have uh, processed uh, meats every day and you were to get you know, skin mm. cancer and uh, a higher risk of bowel cancer, then yes, there's something you could have done about it, yeah. possibly. But it's too late then. The processed meat thing is really interesting. There's a brilliant article, and I've forgotten who the author was recently, about processed meat. It's a very long read in The Guardian about... Um, Bacon, yeah, specifically. Sounds familiar. I think I might have read it. You know that if you have processed meat, your chances of bowel cancer. I think it's if you have processed meat every day or every other day goes up from one in six to no one in seven to one in six. Um, so you know, statistically, you'd rather have the one in seven, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah. But what's interesting about processed meat is it's often uh, combined with processed and red meat. Uh, but the two should be separated because the processed meats have a, a process which is um, nitrites. So even um, white meat, so even chicken and all uh, of the turkey, all of... They're separate from, right. from um, that conversation because, you know, yeah. it, it's processed and red meat. They should be handled separately. They are separate things, different things. And see, again, it's that thing of 
I hear processed meats, I think, well, everything that's in a packet. Yeah, no, I think they're, they're talking about, you know, bacon, ham, mm-hmm. salted, cured, that sort of thing. I was um, uh, doing a seminar in, the, in southern Spain um, last weekend and um, staying in a hotel. And, of course, they had uh, a really fantastic breakfast. So, um, you know, I had bacon and eggs two days running. And there's a little part of me that thought, oh, shouldn't I have bacon that often? And I don't normally think that because mm. I kind of think that my diet's pretty good. So mm. therefore, I, uh, there's no harm in having those things. So, you know, that that message is certainly one that I'm aware of. Yeah. Um, I just need to tell you about, um, because it makes me laugh, uh, it comes into the low carbohydrate, high fat, which I've got the wrong way around, haven't I? Yes, yeah, That diet. Um, I went, I was writing a review of a hotel and they had a paleo, low carb, high fat kitchen. Did they? But it wasn't quite off the ground yet, so you could also get your traditional buffet breakfast as well. But there was right. a little corner with all these various things, and there were, I didn't really know what anything was, and I was there for a few days. And so I just picked up these little pots that had um, <laughs> like a, uh, what looked like yogurt with a bit of coolie on the top, like a crushed-up raspberry, basically. Yeah. And it was very delicious, and it tasted very creamy, and I... I've been at Ian's house for not very long and I've already had two coffees. So I was drinking a couple of coffees in the morning and I'd have one of those and then maybe another one. And at the end of the trip, I had a chat with the chef and I said, you know, I've really enjoyed those pots, those breakfast pots. What are they? And she cream. Went, double cream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Said, what? Of course you enjoyed it. Who serves double cream? Yeah. Well, you know, if you do a, a low carb, high fat and there's certain ones, I mean, I did one years ago for a review of a, a, a gym and a sort of fat loss plan. Um, and it's double cream in your coffee, gruyere and walnuts for breakfast, et cetera, et cetera. And I, we talked about it a moment ago. It works. All diets work, though. This is what I love about what, you, what you've said, is that every single diet works yeah. until... Until, yeah. It doesn't. And, and until, well, until you, you don't, until mm. you don't do it anymore. So you need to ask yourself, what am I going to do at the end of it? Mm. Um, and how am I going to maintain the weight that I've lost? And... Um, have realistic weight loss goals if mm. it's weight loss is your plan and also make sure that during your weight loss your nutritional needs are met um, how do you know if you're meeting your nutritional well, needs well i think you know if there is a a good food plan that covers it all it would be the mediterranean diet which is um not that rich in grains some mm. so you've got whole grains lots of fruit lots of vegetables olive oil lean protein mm. uh, nuts and seeds you know it's not rocket science mm. um and you know, if you went back and bought a book from 1995 or something, you know, it would still... The Zone. Yeah, 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 actually. You know, The Zone, that sort of thing, that would mm. probably cover you. And, and try and, you know, mix it with a version of the Mediterranean diet. And the, the, one, of, one of the reasons, by the way, that nutrition is such a hard business to be in is if you're good at your job, you only see your client once or twice. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're bad, you have to, they have to come back again and again and again. But then let's talk about one of your former clients and she's happy for me to mention this because i've texted her and checked nadine baggett says oh. you sorted her ibs um well, and she's just like he he absolutely transformed it and she sent me a text this morning saying if you let him he'll change your life well you see again so you have a, my permission okay well that, firstly um that's very nice but also that kind of means that your life is wrong not your life, but one's life is wrong and someone else has to change Oh, no, only you. because we yeah, have very yeah. detailed conversations, so she knows that I would... Well, I mean, Nadine's I need um, IBS, and I don't remember a lot about it, um, uh, was manageable. Mm. And, you know, one of the things about a health and beauty editor is that you 
are exposed far, far, far more to different mm. opinions than, you know, your average bod on the street. Yeah. Um, and, and I find it unbelievably confusing. Well, people are very convincing. I'm convincing. Mm. You know, so I may not be, but, you know, so, so if I'm talking bollocks, then how would you know if I'm convincing? But then you've referenced a couple of times that you've been doing this a long time and you've referenced your age. Uh, yeah. And I'm reading between the lines here, but obviously there's this uh, new wave of air quotes, nutritionist. And there's, yeah. I w- worry that you would think that that means that you're now old hat. When I think, actually, because you've got all that experience, because you are trained and know exactly what you're talking about, for me, you can cut through all the nonsense and I can stop listening to all the other noise and just well, that, that would adhere be, to what you... That would be very nice. I mean, obviously, um, yes. I mean, I don't... I suppose it's because I don't have anything to sell. Mm. Um, you know, I had a successful business which I sold a few years ago, and um, you know, I work for some brands now. And you know, I'm not rich, but I can certainly, you know, turn down the odd bit of work if I don't like it. Um, and I'm about to start writing my thirteenth book. <gasps> uh, a baker's dozen. Yes, exactly. And oh, you um, can steal that name if you need it. <laughs> <laughs> the bread revolution. No, uh, <laughs> but and so um, you know, I suppose when the book comes, I'll have something to sell. But it's not, um, you know, it's not a, a diet. But, um, you know, I suppose I, I've always got in mind my end user, and perhaps that comes from years in, uh, on television mm-hmm. and also having a clinic. So people who would come and see you, you know, you, you, I was constantly reminded of my obligation to them to mm. do the right thing by them. Not that I necessarily needed reminding, but if I ever did, daily, 10 people every Tuesday, every Thursday, 10, 12 people a day. Mm. Um, and many had come because they'd seen me on the telly, etc., or bought a book. So you always had that obligation. And we always do. And I think that a lot of the uh, new wave, um, uh, and that's the way people are more so now, mm-hmm. are uh, more self-referential. And that if it worked for me, it must work for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, or all I know, you know, hands put to the chest dramatically, is it worked for me? Yeah. Well, you know, if, if um, you know, science doesn't work that way. Mm. Um, and yeah. you know, we all take advantage of science without necessarily knowing it from, a, you know, taking a headache pill um, to, you know, going to see our doctor if something's wrong. Mm. We take advantage of it all the time. And if the doctor says, look, I, it worked for me. It's just unthinkable that would happen. Mm. Yeah. Um, As a placebo, potentially. Um, When you are in clinic and you are seeing 10 to 12 people a day, what is the common emotional expression that is used by people coming in seeking a nutritionist? Um, Well, they they might come for many different reasons. Mm. If they're coming for digestive reasons then it's usually i feel so bloated when i eat x y or z mm-hmm. i look like i'm pregnant get that all the time mm-hmm. um if it's weight loss then uh you know they're, they're not going to be they're very very rarely 18 20 21 that sort of thing they tend to be older having struggled with their weight for a long time mm-hmm. um and are fed up of it mm-hmm. and hope you know a, a good hope that you can sort it for them. Some people want a magic bullet. But emotionally, um, I think, because I haven't been in full-time practice for a few years now, that I do think that we are becoming increasingly jaded mm-hmm. because of all the information that's out there. Yeah. Um, and we make heroes and heroines out of the people who have helped us. Um, and, you know, it's... Uh, I don't know how healthy that is. Mm. 
But do you feel like, uh, I know that you're not in a practice at the moment, but do you feel like the way that people talk about themselves has changed? Maybe with the rise of social media, do you think people are more critical of themselves well, physically? I think, um, yes, I think they are. And I think uh, we can blame the selfie for that. Yeah. Um, and social media for, for, you know, we all are narcissists at, to some degree. Mm. And uh, if you have someone who looks better than you, who has better abs or whatever body that you'd like that they have, um, and they've been lucky in the gene pool, mm. um, then... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And they're narcissistic. They're going to post a lot of photographs of themselves. Mm. And you, one cannot help but look and go, oh, they look good. Why don't I? I mean, there's a reason they're paid to wear particular sports brands, sportswear yeah. brands. There's a reason that they're, you know, that they're, they, they are paid for posts. There is a movement right now, the body positivity movement, which, I again, I, I like it, obviously, but it's, it is of showing real bodies. Yeah. And it seems like it's really having a surge of popularity, which is a brilliant thing. I agree. Um, and I hope that it makes people realise that... the Because I've done it. I look at, like... I, was, I interviewed Lisa Snowden the other day. And as we were talking, and she was talking about being on MTV, I thought, I remember being at home watching her on MTV and she was wearing these really low rise jeans and a crop top and she had this really flat stomach and I would sit at home thinking... I want to be like that when I grow up. Yeah. Well, if <laughs> and she's not, she's not even that much older than me. Do you know what I mean? I just thought, well, that's what I should look like. Yeah. And if I did, then I too would Life have would be the career and the the romance, the fame, the mm -hmm. money, opportunities, opportunities yeah. choices. And I had a uh, Sarah Powell on the podcast recently, and she put it in really brilliant terms. She said, because she's never felt like that girl, she's always lived in a waiting room of... I'll just be like this until. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. buy that right. thing yeah. when. Well, you know, it's interesting that um, uh, I reminded myself, of, and my partner reminded me the other day, um, my godson got married in Mexico uh, 14, 15 months ago. Mm. Um, and nice. so I, I was very nice. I went to the wedding, and uh, it, was a, it was a lovely wedding and a big event to go, et cetera, et cetera. And it's difficult to know what to wear for a wedding on the beach. And so, bikini. <laughs> so um, I went into a well-known shop and bought an extremely expensive shirt. I mean, you know, I think it was around four hundred pounds for a shirt. Cripes. And I've only worn it that once. Mm -hmm. And there's absolutely no reason that I don't wear it. You know, on, on when I was away last week or any other time I've been away. 
Um, and it's because I'm bizarrely saving it for best. Oh, yeah. Okay, I don't know what best is. You know, my granny used to have her best china. Yeah. And I was like, well, you, you only ever see us. Who mm. are we waiting for? Mm. And, you know, there's, it's a good reminder there that this is it. Mm. You know, this is not a dress rehearsal. This is it. So use your nice stuff. Enjoy it. Um, yeah. You know, I say that and I'll drop dead this afternoon and, and wish I'd worn the shirt to this interview. <laughs> <laughs> so that you can say, nice shirt, girl, thanks. Well, you can so, at least show it to me before yeah, exactly. I leave. <laughs> but, we'll put it on Instagram. And I, I think that um, there is an element of that that, um, and I totally understand and I relate to what you say about, you know, when I and if mm. I. Um, and I think that changed for me because I'm older than you, turning 50. It sort of changed a wee bit when I was 40, but turning mm. 50, you think, good Lord, how did this happen? <laughs> um, and, you know, listeners, I can tell you my friend, who's a doctor, when I was 39, 40 years old, I remember at my 40th birthday party, she poked me in the chest and said, now, listen, the next 10 years are going to pass in a heartbeat. Don't waste them. And wow. at my 50th birthday, she said, and she's, say, 65 now, she said, do you remember what I told you at your 40th? Did you pay any attention? And I thought, oh, not enough. Yeah. So, um, What would you have done differently? Um, I would have uh, got out of uh, bad commercial arrangements earlier. Um, I would have been... I would have stuck up for myself more. Mm -hmm. um, I would have... Uh, Bought a second flat. <laughs> Wouldn't have bought the shirt, should have bought, got a deposit for a flat. <laughs> All sorts of things, you know. I would have actually enjoyed myself more rather than being sort of full of stress and worry. Mm. I just wonder what it would be like to live your life in the way that you look back and think wish you'd lived your life. What would it be like to go, well, yeah, I, nailed it. I, I, I don't know I, whether the human brain could compute that. Well, I don't know. I mean, I wonder how many people do, though, actually think that. I mean, God, Lord, Lord knows, I hope there's a few. But and if they said that, said, you know, I really did well. We kind of, I think we'd feel uncomfortable about it in the same way that if we see a selfie of a blogger yeah. with abs, that <laughs> yeah. there's a little part of me that thinks, how can you do that? There's a girl that goes to my gym um, who uh, I look at the hashtag on Instagram sometimes, and I swear to God, she comes in, she looks amazing, mm -hmm. and she stands in front of the mirror, and she takes a few selfies. <laughs> she buggers off to the smoothie she, bar. No, don't you think she goes home? Good for her. Good you for know, her. I know. More anyway, power we're strained. No, no, it's fine. It's fine, right? Um, yes, you're right. Because I've got all these questions, and we're we're having a good old natter instead, right? So, um, what are the basic good choices I need to be making? And I know we've sort of already come onto that a little bit in terms of it has to a, di a good diet has to fulfil your nutritional needs, has to yeah. meet your nutritional needs. But what are I don't know if you can do this, Ian, because I don't know if it's a realistic question. I don't know if it's fair of me. What are the basic good choices I need to be making on a daily basis or one needs to be making on a daily basis? Um, if you uh, were... Let me preface this by saying that when I was at college, every Friday afternoon we had a, a lecture in the first year about minerals, a different mineral. It's four o'clock on a Friday afternoon in Putney, which so I had to leave a long way in advance if I was driving to the traffic or it was mm -hmm. not the easiest place to get to from where I was living then. And by quarter to five, I was absolutely convinced if I wasn't taking more minerals, more magnesium, selenium, copper, mm -hmm. if I wasn't taking it in supplement form, that I'd be dead by the end of the weekend. Yeah. Um, and there was a health food shop nearby that closed at seven, <gasps> and I used to go in and buy. And after about ten weeks, I realised that I was taking a huge amount of... Um, 
minerals separately. So you've experienced what it's like to be a consumer. Uh, oh, God, yeah, absolutely. And that's what I mean if it, I was you know, equally confused while mm. I was studying. Um, and that, to me, highlights the fact that when you focus on one element of your diet, more antioxidants, better gut, better this, that you're losing sight of the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And I think that the those... Uh, uh, I don't know what to say. The, you can't see the wood for the trees. Those trees are promoted and sold to us. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if you have a good gut, you'll be having good food. And the truth is, though, that if you followed a Mediterranean-style plan uh, with the basics, plenty of uh, uh, vegetables, mm -hmm. uh, not too much sugar, if you followed the government guidelines, I know it's very unpopular, 30 grams of fiber, less than, I think, it's 18 grams of sugar, mm -hmm. um, your five a day, et cetera, et cetera, um, they work. Right. Um, and they've not been put together by morons who hate you. They've been put <laughs> together by, you know, extremely clever people who've done significant... Scientists. Yeah, scientists. Well, people who've done significant research mm. on population studies. Uh, of course, there's other influences as well, and mm. you want to tweak that. But if you follow those, you'll probably do quite well. So this is very interesting. So science, follow those keep it simple you don't need to read another nutrition book again apart from the one that's coming out when well no write. but well, well a lot of them for instance if you look at uh, a lot of doctors recently have got into writing about nutrition and there's uh, some people who are leading um you know, movements having certain foods banned etc etc um and of course because they've got doctor in front of their name then mm. that's much more alluring quite rightly mm. than someone who doesn't but they may have no background in nutrition whatsoever um, God, that just does so another dimension to another it. Another dimension, yeah. But if you are to say follow the government guidelines, the thirty grams of fibre a day, et cetera, et cetera, and you can, uh, it, it should be really simple. But then you've got, then you'll pick up an, an article that says, "I've done a blood type diet because actually I can't metabolise blah blah and blah." And listeners, I said to Ian before we started, um, he asked me if I wanted milk in my coffee, and I said, "Oh no, I, I take it black. I, I don't think I can." I did a DNA test and it said I'm not allergic to, but I'm not no. very good at metabolizing yeah. dairy. And you made a comment, which I've forgotten now. But it's probabilistic. Um, I've done two DNA tests and, uh, you know, I like the idea that it feels, I mean, you know, it's the ultimate selfie really, isn't it? <laughs> it literally is absolutely about <laughs> you and you alone. But I'd love to see other people's results. Mm. Um, and there's a very popular diet at the moment, which is quite expensive to sign up to. And um, I, I'm not one of the practitioners, but one of the practitioners who I know very well sent me five or six reports from various clients um and because i wanted to to know more about it and one thing i saw was that all unless all five people were related that actually their diets were 98 percent the same oh really um but you know so making them feel personal i mean look at you know body coach joe wicks fantastic business don't know how individualized the plans are mm -hmm. and they may be individual but not individualized and i think dna right. is an example of that it's probabilistic you can't say for sure at the moment uh it's maturing quite quickly and there's some really reputable companies mm -hmm. um but you know again in putting rules in you can't have dairy so right straight away you won't have a pizza because it's got Cheese oh, no, it. no, I'll have you a pizza. You have the pizza. <laughs> so, well, I know a lot of people who say they're gluten-free, and then until the birthday cake comes, then they decided to, you know, I'll just relax it a little bit. I love the... I don't know if you are into Marvel movies, but I love the trailer for um, Deadpool, where he says, sorry, I'm late home, honey. I was out, I think, rounding up all the gluten so that it couldn't not hurt us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that, was it Ryan Gosling on Twitter says that you could... Uh, you know, they're so afraid of gluten in L.A., you can hold up a, you can hold up a drugstore with a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's not his exact quote, but it's something like that. 
And as, by the way, I'm celiac, so I was born with gluten intolerance, wasn't diagnosed until I was in my, I don't know, 26, 27, something like Cripes. that. And so, um, you know, it's very difficult for me to understand that people might choose to be gluten-free when, in fact, it was, you know, forced upon me, as it were. Yeah. Um, and also, if you look, really dig down deep, that people who have a problem with gluten but aren't celiac... Uh, may believe that they have non-celiac gluten sensitivity, but in fact, wheat contains fructans. So it may be they need to be on a FODMAP diet. So, you know, it's complicated. Yeah. Self-diagnosis is not the way to go. So what what should somebody do if someone thinks, actually, I forget about the relationship that you have with food, yeah. but as I say, you don't feel nourished by food, you're listening to this and you think, I, I'm not, I don't have the understanding that I would like okay. to have. Um, I would suggest seeing a nutritionist or a nutrition therapist or dietitian, whichever is your your choosing, in person. Mm-hmm. Um, it may cost you know a fair amount of money for a couple of consultations, but you'll yep. save that on supplements, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and on diet books. And you know it should be that once you're sorted, you're sorted, mm-hmm. um, and you don't have to change every few years depending on whose voice is loudest. And the other thing I think I find really confusing is that you can follow something you can be told right you can't do dairy you can't do this that and the other but then you go to the supermarket and you are then a whole different i don't know about anyone else but for me a whole different brain kicks in it's not about functional eating it's not about nourishing it's about oh what do i want to have in the week oh i'll have that for dinner on tuesday so it's so a different um your practical side kicks in or and your desires a little bit i just think both all of those are entirely i mean that's reasonable why but shouldn't you eat what you want? I mean, you know, if you're going to have four pizzas and some Haribo's for dinner, then no, you know, there's going to be a, an opportunity cost to that. My oven's not big enough. <laughs> yeah. Put them in one after the other. <laughs> you're underestimating the skill. Um, yes, no, I, I feel like you can try to adhere to things, but actually when you go out in the real world, if you're on the hop and you yeah. need, it's difficult to it, make good choices sometimes. It, it is difficult. And there's a, a very simple commercial reason for that, um, is that... Uh, as a society, we probably rely on carbohydrates more than we should. Mm-hmm. Um, carbohydrates are uh, easy to store, cheap to mm-hmm. produce, transport, etc. Mm-hmm. They have a, a decent shelf life um, compared to protein, which is more expensive to produce, to buy, to, to cool, to refrigerate, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need a good balance of protein to carbs. And uh, generally, store-bought foods are heavy on the carbs. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean carbs are bad, but mm. we need to you know, keep them in check, just like we need to che- keep saturated fats and unwanted fats in check. Yeah. Um, and in fact, this whole sugar debate... <laughs> I'm just coming uh, on to Okay, that. well, sugar is the ultimate carbohydrate, so we can't really have a conversation about sugar mm-hmm. without having a conversation about carbohydrates, simple mm-hmm. carbs. So, Is it as unhealthy? Do you think that it will develop into the kind of health warnings against sugar as we see against salt? Um well, there are there already, in fact, that there was always limits on sugar, on added sugars, mm. um, if you look at the government guidelines. Um, not always, but Isn't for some the way, time. Were you not saying recently that the way that sugar uh, is displayed on food packaging, it's the one thing that you don't get, like, your daily allowance? Because if you did, yeah. Yeah, you'd you see that you were having anything. four times. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that um, the, there's a big movement to have sort of sugar um, demonised. In fact, mm. I remember probably in 2001, writing, or maybe 2000, my very first book, writing something really clever, like um, that, you know, sugar is the, 
a sugar fats had a bad rap for years and sugar's been hiding in the corner hoping no one notices <laughs> um and you know sugar is needs to be limited and thought about um but it's very confusing because if you look at a nutrition label it says carbohydrates of which sugars mm. uh what about added sugars what about free sugars free sugars are the ones that are found in juices and colas and things like that that are, are not bound to any fiber mm. so their uh, absorption is very quick um it's a complex area and uh, we need a little bit of understanding, but not from the people that sell it to us. Right. Um, I mean, if you look at, for instance, you know, some, some brands that are very well-intentioned, like I Quit Sugar, um, they have sugar alternatives that, you know, as when it's on your, I don't mean they, but a lot of brands, mm-hmm. I don't mean single them out, a lot of brands, uh, the guilt-free thing again, no sugar, um, the moment that food product is meets your digestive enzymes, your saliva, chewing, etc. your body makes absolutely no differentiation whatsoever between uh, white granulated sugar and... Um, fake sugar. Fake sugar or, or alternative sugars that have been blessed by the chief rabbi and nuns <laughs> and, you know, have been organic and untouched, etc. clean. Mm. Um, and so many of the clean eating people, and one of the reasons that has, has sort of had its day, or at least the phrase, was that they completely misunderstood sugars. Guilt-free brownies. Have a bloody brownie. <laughs> Just have one. I mean, research tells us that fat-free foods, we are more likely to consume more of them because we believe them to be guilt-free. Oh, yeah. the 100%. If you tell me that something is a health food, I will instantly attach to that so you can eat as much as you like. I remember dieting in the 80s and 90s with my mother, and it would be all about finding that food that you could essentially mm-hmm. um, eat in... Vast but wasn't there, wasn't there, um, uh, you know, had the green days and red days and cheat well, days. Oh, that was on one of the slimming clubs. Oh, right. Um, and then you had um, free foods. You know, the language mm. and the demonization of individual foods is, you know, it's something that if you grew up with that, that it's very hard to unpick. Mm. It's really hard to unpick. And a lot of us uh, will have, have gained a lot of our nutritional knowledge and our bias from our families. And, um, of course, that's extremely hard to unpick. Mm. I just wonder whether you could... Well, I would be interested to know whether you think... Whether if you unpick the emotional stuff, then you can nail the basics of everyday nutrition. But within the emotional stuff are are normal, healthy habits to be encouraged, such as enjoyment, Mm. pleasure... I mean, it, you know, we feel a bit guilty about pleasure. And, of course, if pleasure is, if eating is your pleasure and you get fat, then it's your own bloody fault. <laughs> That's what we're sold. Mm. But why shouldn't you eat something you like? Do you know? And, and, and the mm. idea that you like, not you, but one likes Haribo's, for instance. Mm. I mentioned them as, you know, I like the fizzy ones. Um, <laughs> and no, no motorway journey is complete without a, some Haribo's. <laughs> Um, I mean, I often actually fill up before I go because if I stop on a motorway to buy petrol, it's No, for me, it's always coffee. Really? Always. Oh, okay. Always. Um, but so, you know, unpicking, I understand what you mean. If we unpick the emotional side, then you're also taking out the pleasure. Mm, that is true. That is very, very true. I want to also ask you about supplements. Um, and we do, we've got listener questions as well. But okay. um, I want to ask you, first of all, how should a supplement make you feel slash how do you know a supplement is working? Okay. Um, if you are taking a supplement for a specific reason that's not fear, 
right. okay, if you're taking it because you have a skin issue and you decide to take uh, omega-3 mm-hmm. or um, whatever it might be, and, you, and then you have a, a reason, a, a tick box, and you can show that it is manifestly working. Mm-hmm. Most of us take supplements out of fear. Right. Um, that if I don't take this, I'm going to die. Or, you know, if I, if I do this, something good will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of us have been trained, have learned that supplements, that nutrients come in bottles rather than in food. Yes. And very, very good point. And Ian. if you want, uh, you know, let's say you need, uh, you decide you want to have a, a lot of vitamin C because it's a component of collagen and your skin's not doing so well. Um, then would you eat uh, 10 pieces of fruit and vegetables every day? Well, you could, and you should. Mm. Um, focusing on the ones that have vitamin C in them, which are most. Um, then some people think, oh, what about the calories? What about the weight? Because mm. so nutrition is never about just one element. Mm. So it is easier to go to a well-known health food store and buy vitamin C. Which one? For how long? A lot of us will start taking supplements without understanding why, and mm-hmm. then you get to the end of the first, second, third month, and you've got a three-quarters empty bottle, and it was 35 quid. And do you buy another one? Do you not? It's worked because you're not dead. Mm-hmm. But um, what's the point? And I do assume that the more expensive supplement will be better than the least, the less um, expensive. Do you know, some of them are food-based, food-grade, effectively, which means they have a higher absorption rate and, and different formulas, uh, which is fine, but... You know, I'm I'm 54. Let's assume I live till I'm 85. Do I spend the next 31 years spending 30 pounds a month on one supplement? And in fact, there's only there's five or six I could be taking. Mm. I can't afford that, and I don't want to afford it either. Mm. And the other thing is that you know, if you if I drop dead when I'm 83 instead of 85, am I going to go? Gee, I wish I'd had those supplements. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know. None of us know mm. the answer to that. It's interesting. I want to ask you quickly as as well about um, magnesium. Yeah because it was a Twitter conversation that we had a while ago. Oh, you may sweet. not even remember. I do remember, yeah. Um, well, I should remember when you reminded me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, was, I have struggled terribly with insomnia for years. And touch wood, I feel like I've got it under control. But one of the things that... I mean, it, it's never just one thing that contributes. Like, for no. me personally, it might be for someone else. But without a shadow of a doubt, when I started incorporating magnesium into my bedtime routine, I feel like I slept better yes it's, it's likely it's po- what's possible yeah but equally as you said i think but or could you be getting that magnesium from the foods that you eat yes as th- well or in addition to or instead of that's an interesting point because you're taking magnesium for a very specific reason mm. um at a specific time of day to have a specific outcome mm. uh, and that's quite different from just eating magnesium in the morning um, right. or making sure you've got magnesium-rich foods. Of course, if you're, uh, I say you, I don't mean to single you out, but if one's... You plural, I know uh, what you mean. You plural. If one's absorption and your gut was in good condition, then, of course, you may get a higher absorption rate and uh, better conjugation of nutrients if your gut bacteria were mm. you know, tip-top. So sometimes, going back to supplements, it's a question of taking something to boost uh, that has, you know, ticks many boxes, mm. like a probiotic, for instance. And if so... Do you need one every day? Do you need one every other day? Mm. You know, so it's go and see a nutritionist. Well, this is one of my uh, important questions for you because I feel like a nutritionist is almost as vital as a GP in that I was struggling with lots of things, but it was manifesting in really bad digestive issues for a considerable amount of time, like over 18 months. And I went to go and see the nutritionist Eve Kalinic and I did the whole... With the gut, yeah. 
and I, you know, program's very good. I sifted through my own, you know, and sent them (laughs) off for results. (laughs) And since then, again, touch wood, it's been completely different. And I just thought, well, why doesn't everyone go and get a, why doesn't everyone go and get a checkup? Um, I think, it, well, actually, I've got a theory about this too. Go on. Uh, it's because we have a free national health service. Mm. So health feels free. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's free at the point of use, as it were. And so the idea that of paying for it uh, on top of something else feels... Uh, maybe some people will struggle with that. But also because of Tinternet, uh, information is now free. So yeah. why go and see someone when, in fact, you could buy their book or just read a blog? Mm. So it's very difficult to sift out what you know, what we should pay for, what we shouldn't pay for. And also what your expectations are of seeing a nutritionist. You had a a specific reason to go Mm. and therefore you could tick a box saying, I went for this and it's been sorted, done. If you aren't unwell, um, but you feel you could be doing better, then you kind of, some nutritionists need more to work with. Mm. Um, So, you know, like all of these things, it's it's multi-layered and... opaque well i think it was the thing in that particular instance it was about educating myself of the fact that one of the i was i felt very low yeah i was depressed i was struggling with anxiety as well plus um i I was bloating terribly i didn't want to go out of the house i didn't even want to get dressed and i didn't know that actually all of that was could have been could have been starting well, in the gut. I had no idea no. the significance on not just physical health but mental health uh, on in well, terms of gut you know, health. Before I was diagnosed with celiac, I had all the classic symptoms through my teens, etc., mm. uh, which were missed, and I was diagnosed with depression and all sorts of things. Um, and I, I was depressed. Mm. Um, um, for the last two years before I got a diagnosis, say 25, 26 years old, um, I got increasingly bloated and increasingly uncomfortable and looked much bigger than I really was. Mm. And people would say, oh, you've gained weight. Um, and so I went on a, I knew nothing about nutrition, went on a, a the lowest calorie diet I could find, which was Diet Coke and crisp rolls. Crisp breads, you know, like so Swedish oh, or yes, whatever. Oh, yes, yes. So I had, and they were 30 or 40 calories each, and I would eat 10 of those a day and have four or five Diet Cokes. So my calorie intake was... Oh, God, like 300? 500, oh. 500, 600 a day. Um but of course I was having wheat mm. um, and I had no idea that I was celiac. And so, you know, so y- you just don't know. And we all try. Um, and of course the other question, which is... So relevant. hang on, when you were doing that 600 yeah. calories a day, were you physically changing or was uh, no, because no, no, the wheat no. intolerance you were still Yeah, bloating? I was, just, I was not, all, not everyone will have that, but I was increasingly uncomfortable, increasingly... Uh, gassy, et cetera, et cetera. You can guess the rest. Well, no, the, the link I'm drawing there is that if, even if you're, it's this whole thing, calories in, calories out, I think there's a resurgence of this at the moment of, yes, understand not all calories are created equal, but if you burn a certain amount of calories a day and you consume less than you burn, then there is a calorie deficit. Well, that's absolutely true. Um, you know, the calorie, you started off earlier on saying that, you know, everything we do has to be wrong, otherwise there's no story. Mm. Um, and, you know, the calorie is dead, calories don't count all these marvelous phrases well they do count yeah but you can make your calories count a lot more by adding nutrition nutritional value to everyone so in other words if you're going to have uh 500 calories uh main course let's say then you may as well have a piece of salmon uh and some brown rice and some broccoli you know it doesn't have to be quinoa and kale (laughs) um you know basic foods will deliver as well but that salmon you get an awful lot of bang for your buck with Mm. those calories 
Um, there was a, a lady called Susan Powter a hundred years ago, an American evangelist. She used to eat raw egg whites on TV. I love Susan Powter. Well, I loved her. She used to... Uh, oh, what no. was her book called? Stop the Insanity, Sorry. which is basically about calories. You could eat four bagels for the amount of calories. So basically it was all about amount. Mm. Um, and um, I remember seeing that. And I think that you know, was one of the very early things I ever saw about nutrition. Um, I remember her cropped blonde hair. Yeah, she still got it. She was a judge. I think it was season three on RuPaul's Drag Race. But oh, really? That's another okay. story. I was like, oh my god, there were because I, I wondered whatever happened to Susan Powell. Because you know. she was like an evangelical, high energy, worked out, and she yeah. looks yeah. worked out now, sort of twenty years later. Really, um, no BS. Yeah. Diet guru. Yeah. But, from, no, from nowhere. Yeah, but dis- because she lost a ton of weight. Yeah. But again, it happened to me. You can do it. I'm right. You're wrong. I don't mean that about her, but it's mm. a, how we elevate people into being so much better. Um, you know, I can think of diet gurus, um, people who are, you know, lauded and fated now, mm. um, you know, perhaps because of their success, their celebrity connections, whatever it may be. Um, and I, I, I'm uncomfortable when people say to me, who are your celebrity clients? Mm. And the answer is, I'm never, ever going to tell you. <laughs> and, um, you know, we used to get, I used to get people... Uh, you know, like a publicist or a management saying, could you sign an NDA non-disclosure agreement before X, Y, or Z comes to see you? And, they aren't, and I say, I won't, because if you tell me one single celebrity client I've ever seen, then I'll sign it. I just don't need to. Mm. Oh, you don't, your doctor doesn't sign an NDA? It's uh, just, yeah, it's a given, isn't it? I have a problem when you're talking about celebrity clients. I have something of an issue with putting someone like uh, Chris Pratt, for example. I love Chris Pratt. This is not a dig at him. But um, he's obviously been worked out really hard for the Marvel of movies. Course, yeah. And then he's on the cover of a magazine and it's his trainer tells you how to get a body like Chris. Well, you don't need a body like Chris because you're not on an HD camera. No. You're not fake fighting aliens. And you're not training for three hours a day or two hours twice a day. And also, and he's Denzel, been paid millions of that. I'd do, I'd do it for what I'd he do was, it. For, I'd do it for yeah. a tenth of what he was being paid. And he does that brilliant thing on Instagram. What's my snack? Right where he's filming, where he's given his food. And the thing is, I look just at the it, trainer or Chris Pratt. This is Chris Pratt. So okay. he's so he's he has his food delivered. He's doing all these workouts, and then his macros are in stickers on the packaging. I have right. watched them many times, listeners, and I have an eagle eye. And then I'm like, well, maybe I should be doing macros. But the macros matter. Mm. Macros matter, and we overlook that. We overlook that you should have a ratio of protein to carbohydrates, of complex carbohydrates, of fruit and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're wanting to have less or fewer sugars, then you then you avoid the obvious sources. But then again, uh, foods that grow below ground, tubers, potatoes, for instance, have a higher starch because they have their starch to, to survive mm-hmm. than ones that grow above ground, etc. Um, macros really do matter. But we we've talk about the wood for the trees. Mm. That's the wood. <laughs> and the trees are whether I should be having kale or, you know, and whether agave is good for me. I still, I still find it so confusing. I'm probably not helping, am I? No, no, but no, you, you are. But I also, you mentioned potatoes there, and I've got to ask you about this. So um, the writer and director, Kevin Smith, had a heart attack recently, and he had the Widowmaker, but he survived, thank goodness, yeah. because he's doing the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. But he was put on to a guy called, is it Ray Cronice? Have you heard him? Is that how you say his name? By Penn Gillette, the his magician. I do. I'm sorry, these are people I don't know. But they are living and human I mean, beings. Right, okay. But the point I'm getting to is this. Um, 
this guy, Ray, has this diet, which is all plant-based, but the thing that you have to do before you start it is for two weeks you can eat only one thing. You can boil them, you can bake right. them, you can, but, but you, you can't use oil, whatever, and, and it's potatoes. Well, um, all diets work. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the, the beginning of the famous diet a lot of people are doing at the moment... Um, you know, which is quite expensive. Uh, you do it's three days, expensive. two days of brown rice. Don't you have a choice of brown rice, uh, potatoes, or there's another thing? I, I, if you say, I can't remember all the details. But, you know, again, if I told you, if you had come to see me and I uh, was not interested in your, uh, a true outcome for you, a long-lasting outcome, and you just wanted to lose weight, I would put you on whatever plan it was, uh, potatoes plus this, you mustn't have that, mustn't have this, introduce a lot of rules, mm-hmm. you'd follow them, you'd lose weight, and you'd think I was marvellous. <laughs> and the moment you came off it, you'd gain weight. And, and you I'd come would back. Think, <laughs> no, or you'd just think, well, it's because you're a pile of shit and can't do it. Mm. Sorry to be graphic. That's but, right. you know, I look at, um, I, I saw a client last week who's um, a, uh, a very, very gifted artist. Um, she's 65, a history of dieting, perhaps three kilos overweight, gave her a food plan. Two days later, she was in touch saying, I, I hadn't lost anything. It's because I, there weren't enough rules to say to her that I'm on a diet. Right. Um, and, you know, so again, I'm interested in how she feels in five years' time, not how she feels in July. Right. Um, and, but I, you know, I think there's not that many people that that, that could work with. A lot of us want instant results. And you just, I think there's a thing about being on a plan, being guided. Well, it's, it's a plan. And uh, you, ha- you have a, a roadmap, effectively. Mm-hmm. And when you go into the supermarket, you know exactly what to buy. Yeah. Um, and then there's people who do fridge raids and fridge cleanses and things. Sorry, I'm, I'm no, really disparaging. Nonsense. But again, get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I've seen that on reality shows where they get someone who comes over and they're like, take that out, get rid of that, no ice cream, don't do that, don't do the other. Because you are so weak and lily-livered that Mm. you couldn't possibly have these foods in the house without eating them, you big failure. I don't mean that, by the way, but, you know, that's the (laughs) the message. (laughs) That's the message, and I think it's so unfair and unhelpful. Mm. Works on television, though. I've been asked to do fridge raids so many times, I've always said no. Um, I'm doing intermittent fasting, and I'm really enjoying it because it's a... Good rule. I, I find yep. it a very easy rule to follow. Yeah, and if it's easy and it's practical, brilliant. Yeah. Um, what do you think? There's any value in? Oh. I'm doing the sixteen to eight ratio. No, it's absolutely. It's wonderful. Some people can't do five two mm-hmm. um, because the the, the, the two is too hard. Uh, sixteen to eight means that you get used to being hungry. Of course, you'll have a better blood glucose response. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very efficient, um, and it works. But it's a diet with rules mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, that's one of the reasons it works. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think 16-8 is quite doable. I think um, it's more doable than the 5-2 for me personally. I, I, well, for me personally, I agree, because mm. I tried the 5-2 once just for a, a magazine or something else, and I, I think after, uh, I think by the second day of the day two, I realised that I should not leave the house or drive. Oh, right, okay. I was so angry. <laughs> um, that was road rage in Kensington. Um, oh, of I'm, all the places. Uh, of all the places, yes. Got cross with a four by four. Imagine that. Um, Did it mount the curb? As it <laughs> don't be silly. As it turned into Whole Foods. Don't be silly. No, no <laughs> four by four in Kensington has ever been anywhere near a curb. Um, I sixteen uh, eight works, um, but it might work for you because you're freelance. I don't have to go in office. You don't have to go on 
uh, you know, an overheated tube every morning or have, I don't know if you've got kids, but, no. you know, okay, so your life is perhaps a little bit more flexible? Oh, it's mega flex. Okay, so 16-8 um, may not work for someone who has a different set of commitments. Mm. What should one be doing in those eight hours? Eating as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Phoning <No>. Domino's. <laughs> Other um, pizza outlets are available. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, I, I would just say, look, I, I think a 16-8 or a 15-9, whatever you mm-hmm. want to do, uh, with a Mediterranean-type diet, eating twice within those hours or three times within those hours, small mm-hmm. meals com- combining protein and complex carbohydrates, plenty of vegetables, not too many fruits, no juices, simply because of the sugar content. Follow that sort of plan, and, yeah, it's spot on. Okay. Well, that I'm, this is the thing that 26 Habits is about. It's not about... It is about trying fads with a view to seeing, well, are they sustainable or are they a fad? Yeah. But I don't want to do anything that would encourage somebody to live unhealthily. Whereas I had a conversation recently with a friend who said, so you're eating eight hours a day between 12 and 8? And I was like, yes. And she said, I leave it as late as possible to eat because the second I start eating, I've woken the beast and I can't stop. You see, I've got a sugar monster inside me. <laughs> I've, literally, it's a sugar monster. It's like the honey monster, only much, much worse. And the sugar monster is asleep at the moment. It has been since the 20th of February when I, I travelled quite a lot for work, mm-hmm. December, as I mentioned. And um, <laughs> the last trip was to Paris. Actually, and that wasn't work. And so... Um, uh, it sounds like I'm showing off. I was in New York, South Africa, um, Rome, <laughs> Mumbai, and then Paris. And now, in sounds like you're in training to become yeah, a royal. In, <laughs> in April, uh, you're okay to go to New York and Rome now because they've restocked on carbs because I finished all of them. Right. Okay. <laughs> fine. There were none in Mumbai, but you know there should be there should be some <laughs> left now. They've had a chance to regrow. I love um, it. So um, my sugar monster after a weekend in Paris, I mean, was just ruling me. How do you put a sugar monster to bed? Um, have no sugar. <laughs> no, it's as simple as that. I love you, Ian, because you <laughs> just say how it is. You know, well, you try and have no sugar for two weeks. I just, you have kill no it. Sugar. You have You kill it. <laughs> um, and I, having had carbohydrates, nothing wrong with carbohydrates, but, you know, I had simple carbohydrates. If I find a gluten-free, like Florentines are gluten-free... Thank I know you Lord. love your chocolate <gasps> Florentines. I should have God, bought you I some ever. as a gift. Oh, no, no, you're very kind, but that's my sugar monster would have gone, thank you, get out. <laughs> <laughs> I would have gone into the bathroom. Booted down the stairs. Yeah. Um, so I just don't have it. It's much easier. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, that's not, you know, professional nutrition advice. That's understanding what me at 54 year old, years old is like and the fact that I love my food and I put on weight very easily because I'm older and you know, I have to manage it. Is it a thing that you... I know it sounds ridiculous. Do you put on more weight... Eat more easy. Do you put on weight more easily as you get older because of the functions of your body slowing down? Uh, Not because you just suddenly your body changes and you become. It's a yeah. Fat well, you lose you lose muscle mass, right? Um, and so your your muscles will burn uh, glucose quite readily. Mm-hmm. Uh, use energy. So um, as you lose muscle mass, it's it's easier to gain weight. Uh, for you know, women obviously there's a menopausal issue. Mm-hmm. For men, there's a little bit about testosterone, but most men's testosterone is quite normal. Sorry, um, I'm laughing because it's just look what's just come up on my watch. It's it's my alarm saying eat. Oh really? <laughs> I wouldn't need one. <laughs> Do you want some to eat? Well, your your kitchen clock still says 11:58. So right, okay, so in two minutes you're going to knock me out on the way <laughs> to the fridge. Get out of my way. Um, uh, I would say um, 
uh, what was the question? I've forgotten now. Oh, does everything slow down? Yeah, it changes. And this only slows down. It changes. So it's, it is hard when you get older for several okay. reasons. That's very interesting. I do find that... Um, I do find that fascinating. Don't worry, you can... No, no, I'm just getting something out of the fridge. No, no, you don't have to feed me. It was, it was, it was a mere joke. Leftovers from last night. Salmon, roast tomatoes. Oh, how very, um, how very chic. Uh, broad beans. I think it's time we move on to yes. some listener questions. Okay, please do. Don't hate me, listeners, but we had to have a little snack. I had to have those roasted tomatoes and that salmon. What could I do? You don't blame me, do you? We will be back next week with all of the answers to the listener questions that were posed in the Facebook group. Thank you so, so much for listening. All of the links will be in the show notes to Ian, his social media handles, how you can get hold of or take part in or even suggest something for Nutribollocks that uh, Ian does on Twitter. And obviously, if you want to get in touch with the show, it's so easy. Just email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I cannot wait to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found it useful and stay well. And I will see you in the next one. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.